Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Tech Guy is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is my Tech Guy podcast. This show originally aired on the premier radio networks, including 150 of the best stations in the U.S. and Canada, and our new XM channel 166 on Saturday, May 7th, 2011. This is episode 767. We are now taking off. Enjoy. Well, a good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. And my friends, it's time to discuss the ins and outs, the ups and downs, the pros and cons of computing, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, all the pros and cons, the goods, the bads, the uglies of this high-tech world we live in these days. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's my phone number. If you want to talk about it with me, I'd love to hear from you. I said that very fast, didn't I? Don't scramble. Don't worry. There's a couple of ways to get the phone number. One, I'll say it again. 888-827-5536. But I know I can never really say it slow enough. So we've put it right on the front page of the website, techguylabs.com. That's easy to remember, right? Tech Guy Labs. I'm the tech guy, see? And I'm in the lab. So this is the techguylabs.com. And right on the front page there, you will see... uh, not only the phone number to call, but uh, links to the chat room. We have a great chat room. Always fun to be in there. Those are the kind of the smart, uh, smart uh, acre kids in the back, in the back of the class, making wise cracks at me. They're also I like to think of them really as my as my brain. You see, we're very modern here on the Tech Guy. We we live in the future, and in the future, all of us will have our brains right in machines. So I've done that early. By uh, by creating this chat room, and there's about 600 people in there right now, and uh, and re- anytime I can't remember anything or I don't know the answer to a question, I just look down and I say chat room, and they instantly they tell me, oh Leah, what what you're trying to remember, what you were trying to say, the correct answer to that question is, and then I can pass it on to you. So that's a great community, and I invite you to be in there. You don't have to be a smart acre or uh, or even know the answers to anything, just just go visit. We've got great moderators in there too, so it's family friendly and safe for all ages. So don't don't hesitate to invite your kids in. It's one of the things I like about this show. You know, sometimes uh, if you do a show about a topic uh, or just talk radio in general, you get a certain slice of people. You know, a certain age group. Uh, of course, if it's a local show, you get a certain uh, locality. Radio is very local. That's what I like about radio. It's very intimate and local. But in some cases. What local means is not necessarily local to a geographic spot, but local to a community of interest. And that's what's neat about this particular community of interest technology is it's every, every age. We've got, we've got seven-year-olds and 70-year-olds listening. We've got people from all around, not just your town, not just the U.S., but all over the world, thanks to the Internet. And so that makes it kind of an interesting community, a community uh, that is that is more vertical than horizontal. It is more about a community of interest. And I like that because you 
You meet all kinds. And really, the thing I like about tech is that your status in this community is not based on your economic value, the color of your skin, your religion, any of those external silly things. It's based on what you got upstairs, on your on your knowledge, your ability, your skills. It's a true meritocracy. So sometimes you'll get 12-year-old kids who are looked up to by by us oldsters because they're so good, they're so knowledgeable, they're so smart. I like that. We we honor people's brains here. I, I always said that that's what that's the de- true definition of a geek. I was a geek in high school. I know many people were geeks in high school. People say, "What what what does that mean? Were you on the AV squad?" I don't even know if they have AV squads anymore. I don't think they have to anymore. They have the tech team. No, I, I wasn't on the AV squad. But I I define a geek as somebody, particularly in high school, who cares more about what's going on above the neck than below the waist. If you know what I mean, it's somebody who it's the it's the they live in in the land of the mind, and uh, and I love that. Um, really nice, really nice to have you here today. We have lots to talk about. There's always great news or fascinating news, maybe sometimes bad news, as in the case of the Sony situation. What a mess that is. Talked about that last week, and it just gets worse and worse. <laughs> Uh, my advice to you, if you have an account on, on any Sony network, whether it's the PlayStation Network, Sony Online Entertainment, Curiosity, any of the uh, Sony networks, is to change your password for sure. And use this as a reminder. So many people do this, and it's such a bad idea, that you need a different password for every site. Because if one site gets compromised, as this one has, and, and people's passwords have been revealed, as this ha- apparently has happened, then that password that you used on the Sony site, if you used it on Twitter or worse on your email, you're really vulnerable. So not only not only should you change your passwords for Sony and, uh, and and related sites, but you should change I at this point you should change any of the sites that you use that have the same password. And from now on let's not have the same password, shall we? <laughs> for every site. Let's have a different one. Now, you might say, well, I thought, Leo, I, I, who has time to think up a password for every site, let alone remembering a password for every site? And that's when I point you, as I have in the past, to a wonderful program that is free to use, uh, although there is a $1 a month pro version as well. It's called LastPass. Now, there's some irony here because LastPass itself uh, might have been compromised recently. Well, this and this is an interesting story, and I think a kind of an, an interesting contrast between what Sony did and uh, what LastPass did. See, Sony waited till they were sure there was a breach, then they took the system down and they belatedly notified people. LastPass doesn't even know there was a breach, but they noticed some strange flows of information, and rather than take a chance, they immediately notified everybody and required people to change their passwords on LastPass. They also assured people that the system that they use, which is very clever and very sophisticated, prevented any bad guy from discovering any information about you. So you don't have to worry too much about being compromised by all of this. And 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 so that's why I can, with confidence, say, if you are in need of a great password creation and memorization tool that requires you to remember only one password, 
lastpass.com. It works on Windows. It works on Mac. It works on every smartphone. It works in every browser. And it's just fantastic. And what you'll do is from now on, when you go to a new site and you need a password, you tell LastPass, give me a password. And LastPass automatically remembers it. And from now on, automatically logs you in. If you choose to have that setting turned on when you go to that site, you don't have to remember it. You need only remember one master password, which means you can make that master password secure. So change your master password if you are a LastPass user. And they'll make you do that. That's kind of what happens now when you log into LastPass. Uh, and not because they know something happened, just because they were afraid something happened, which I, I like. I like their proactiveness. And from now on, if you use LastPass, you can have strong passwords for Sony and every other site, even if it's a silly site like the I don't know, you know, the, who cares who gets your New York Times password, right? Or, but people, you should care if somebody gets your Twitter password or your email or your Facebook password. That would be bad. So let's have good, strong passwords. Let's remember them with something like LastPass. If you're already using RoboForm or First Password or KeyPass, those are all great solutions as well. Do the same thing. Their password storage tools generate strong passwords. Remember them. You only have to remember one master password. Any of those solutions really are the way to go. And it's what I do. Um, and it just is really, it's really fantastic. Now, let's talk about that master password. It probably shouldn't be, I love my dog. It shouldn't be, despite what you may have read, uh, there was a guy uh, a couple of weeks ago. Actually, he published the article a year and a half ago, but it came out a couple of weeks ago or kind of resurfaced about how uh, a short passphrase might be better than a random password. That's true. But I would recommend if you're going to use a short passphrase like I love my dog, that instead of using spaces, you use a random punctuation. Or even better, and this is what I do, I love doing this, pick um, something that you can remember, a passage from Shakespeare, to be or not to be. And just use the first letters of that, capitalizing some, using punctuation. It's easy to recreate, easy to remember, but not easy to guess. Leo Laporte, The Tech Guy. like this you recognize it I'm thinking that's the Macintosh error sound set to music or is it a Windows error it's a Windows XP error Kyle you're good it's the Windows XP sound I hate that sound that's the, that's the only problem with using it in music. I hate that. Don't you hate that sound? Leo Laporte, the tech guy. We were talking in the chat room about ways to make good, strong passwords. And, you know, the, the, the here's the trouble is that a good, strong password is totally random and has a mix of numbers, letters, punctuation. And is longer than, well, longer the better, right? I would say at least at eight characters, but ten would be better. If you get a good 10-character random uh, character string, you've got a pretty good password. And that's the master password for LastPass. That's the password perhaps you use on your uh, Wi-Fi keys, you know, your WPA key for Wi-Fi, that kind of thing. 
But Microsoft and others have observed, security experts have observed, the problem with a truly good random password is you can't remember it, right? <laughs> it's not memorable. And uh, what happens if you can't remember it? Oh, well, you just, you know, you write it on a Post-it note and you put it right on the side of your screen there. <laughs> right there. So there, that way you won't forget it, which means it's worse than a no password at all. So we got to find a password that is random that we can remember. And that's where I, that little technique I talked about uh, going into the, the break there is so helpful. If you can create what looks like or seemingly random password, but it has a mnemonic attached to it, you, that would be the best way to do it. You know what a mnemonic is. A mnemonic is, a, you know, in, in school we use mnemonics to remember things. Like uh, the the value of pi to 10 places. I memorized that by the, memorizing the little doggerel sentence. How I want to drink alcoholic, of course, after the heavy chapters on quantum mechanics. And uh, the number of characters in each word. How, three, I, one, want, four, a, five, one, are the numbers of pi, right? So that's a mnemonic. Uh, you remember the colors in the rainbow by the name Roy G. Biv, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Handy, isn't it? Very handy. So a mnemonic would be a good way to mem remember a seemingly random but not really random password. Now, admittedly, it's not as good as a truly random password. Uh, that, that I admit. But um, pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. So I suggested maybe the first letters of a song. We 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 liked "My Baby Takes the Morning Train," the uh, old Sheena Easton song, because it has a number in it, right? My baby takes the morning train. She works from nine to five, and then. So now let's see. That would be, and I capitalize it because it's the beginning capital M. It's good to mix case too, upper and lower case. M B T T M T comma good little punctuation. S W F nine. T-O-5. So we've got letters. We've got punctuation. We've got upper and case, lowercase letters, punctuation, and numbers in there. That makes a good password. Um, don't use that one. <laughs> but just, you know, probably not a good one to use. The nice thing about it, it make it long enough especially, is uh, even somebody looking over your shoulder who sees a little bit of it isn't going to be able to deduce the rest in most cases. Unless... And I find myself sometimes doing this. You hum it out loud while you're typing it. Don't do that. Don't. My baby takes a moment. Don't do that. That'd be a bad idea. And by the way, yes, Sheena used he. If you use she because you're a guy, see, that makes it even harder, right? See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? Um, I remember seeing, uh, first seeing this used by uh, using the succession of presidents of the United States capitalizing Republicans. And if you want to make it really complicated, put the number of years they served. Now, this can be complicated. <laughs> you have to remember your history. Let's see. So it'd be a capital E for Eisenhower. You get the you get the idea. A, cap, a lowercase. Oh, well, then you have to put the number of years eight. Lowercase K for Kennedy. Number of years three. A uh, lowercase J for Johnson. What is that? I don't even remember. Five, seven, six, six years. You see how it gets complicated, but at least it's reconstructable. And that's the idea of this, is that you can. It doesn't have to be easily reconstructable, although it's nice if you have to type it in a lot. I like song lyrics because I can, I remember them and they're in my head. Lots of ways to do this. 
the idea is to make it something that you can recreate without writing it down that will not be easily guessable. And especially useful if you're using a system like LastPass. This does not replace LastPass, but it's especially useful if you're using something like LastPass because then you know, you do have to have one password you remember with LastPass or any other password recovery system because that's the password that unlocks the passwords. If you do that, you can always, you know, unlock that master pass. And I wanted, anyway, I wanted to finish that system. Now people are <laughs> in our chat room are, su- are suggesting song lyrics. They're writing out a password saying, what song is this? It's actually a good test. How easy would it be to guess if you saw the initials? Sean in Hermosa Beach, our first call of the day. Hey, Sean, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Leo. Speaking of hey. security, I am part of the number one ISP in the country. Uh, you may have heard of us. It's called uh, the Steal from Your Neighbor Network. I mean, the- <laughs> oh, oh, you're you're on Linksys. <laughs> the number one ISP in the country, Linksys. Well, a couple weeks ago, uh, I went over to my neighbor's house to tune her. Uh, her system. She's a, a lovely uh, grandma, and uh, happened to be looking at her her network, and I could see all of my computers on my net, my home network. And did, by the way, did grandma know you were sharing her internet? Oh yeah, she knows. She knows. Yeah. This is actually a good way to solve this, which is if you see an open Wi-Fi access spot, as you did with grandma. And you go over and say, hey, I want to be a good neighbor and help you secure it. And maybe I can give you a few bucks a month and can I share it? Because you're so close that we get great access. What a great way to do it. You're a good neighbor. You're helping her secure her network and yours, by the way, if you're using her network. I have the Blazing Fast Verizon Fios and I share it with her. Oh, that's nice. That's even nicer. Yes. What a sweetie, Sean. Morning paper. So that's how it works out. (laughs) Well, and that's why you've got to use... WPA encryption. Got that. I got that. What I'm trying to do is I, I'm trying to find step-by-step instructions to lock lock her out except for Internet access. I don't want her to see all my, my computers. If you're using WPA networking, she shouldn't be able to. She does. Oh, I know what you're doing. Are you using a Mac? Uh, we have mixed. We have mixed uh, Mac and... Yeah. And That's true. She will be able to see the file sharing, the names of the file sharing computers. And on Macs, it's kind of by default if you use uh, back to my Mac. There's instructions. Well, here's the thing. Router. Here's the thing. Anyway, anyway, you should have all of these password protected. So she may be able to see the network, but she shouldn't be able to double click it and access the files on that network. Okay. So, so that's the best way to do this. Let me talk about how to do this when we come back, because it's this is fairly important. I think people do do this, and it's dangerous. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Yes, 
Your love is like a virus. <laughs> Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. This portion of the Tech Guy show brought to you by Carbonite. It's backup done right. It really is a key part of your disaster planning. Try it right now, free for 15 days. No credit card needed. Just my name, Leo. Go to Carbonite.com. you got to back it up to get it back. So do it right with Carbonite. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. Sean in Hermosa Beach is a good neighbor. I should warn you, Sean, uh, or anybody listening, it's co- it's really cool what you're doing. He's got uh, a lot of access, and he's sharing it with his neighbor. You should check, of course, your terms of service with your internet service provider. Make sure that that's you know okay. Um, and furthermore, you should be careful. Somebody, uh, it was a story a couple of weeks ago. A guy uh, who had an open ac- who had an open, unprotected Wi-Fi access spot in his home. Police came, threw him to the ground, pointed guns at him called him a pervert and a child molester because, it turns out, his neighbor, who was, in fact, not such a nice person, had been using his open access point to download child pornography. Okay, uh, uh, then I'm, I'm Joe from New York, then. <laughs> so, I think Grandma's probably okay, but just to th- just remember, you're liable for everything she does on your system. I'm not too and, worried about her. Yeah, I'm not too worried either. Just, you know, so, who's going to come over, the... The uh, repair guy, or who knows, you know. Well, that's why absolutely you got to use WPA encryption and be fairly judicious about who you give the password to. She doesn't even know it. I input it. Perfect. So she can't accidentally give it to her nephew who comes over to steal music. So that's good. Um, and and you know, by putting on WPA net, uh, protection on your router, you're doing a number of very useful things. First of all, it does encrypt all the traffic, so nobody sitting on your curb can see anything. Only somebody with the password can get to your network. Um, it does prevent uh, things like Fire Sheep from stealing cookies. So this was this is a Fire Sheep is a very scary plugin for for a, for a Firefox that you could use in an open access spot like at a coffee shop to see who's on Facebook and to log in as them. But if WPA is turned on, and this is why everybody who does an open access point should turn on WPA uh, encryption. You know, if that WPA encryption is turned on, you can't do that either. Aren't there ports that handle file sharing for that part of the network that I could shut off? Not to her, because she's on your network. Okay. So what you need is, now some routers will do this. They'll have guest access. You should check in your route. Is it a fairly recent uh, Wi-Fi router? Yes. Okay, so I would check and see if there is uh, uh, if there is uh, sometimes they have different names for it, but sometimes it's guest access, uh, sometimes it's AP protection, things like that. There's things that sometimes on many newer routers you can turn on that will give you the opportunity to create a guest account. You can also uh, sometimes on depending on the hardware download new firmware for it that will give you that capability. But you don't. But let me just say this, especially since you this is not a this is a benign neighbor. The, the you should be doing this anyway. You should have password protection on all file shares anyway. Yeah, I have. Uh, and he, yeah, that's fine. Then that means she can see the name, but she can't access anything beyond that. She, if she, if she tries to get to that server, it'll say what's the password, and she's done. And that's unless you have you know names that somehow pass on information that you're worried about. I would say that's sufficient. Okay. 
So I can't. Uh, Considerate says if you use now, I, I haven't tried this, but he says if you use a dollar sign at the end of the share name, then simple browsing, you know, when you open the file browser in Windows, it won't see the names. You'll have to then go to the server. Okay. So. Okay. And the other the other uh, uh, suggestion, of course, is if you use WPA, WPA two is slightly preferable. There is a brute force attack at WPA, but it's difficult, and it's only successful if you use a guessable, easily guessable password. So uh, even with the WPA passwords, you know, don't make them a dictionary word. No. You know what's a good a good choice for a situation like that is pick two dictionary words separated with a random punctuation or number. Okay. Okay. But I think you're fine, Sean, as long as you have password protection. All that means is she can see the names. It's not going to do anything. She can't get in there. And 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 truth is, that's kind of what you want normally anyway, because uh, you don't want anybody who can get on your network to automatically be able to see your shares. You want, you want them to have accounts on those shared systems. Um, interesting, the idea of the home group. The problem is he has Macs and Windows, so any Windows-only solution isn't necessarily going to do the job for him. And, again, if you have a, a newer router, you do have that, that great capability of putting in a guest, guest access. That solves the whole problem. It's in, intentional. And uh, he's smart. He doesn't give her the WPA password. He just sets it up. The computer remembers it. No big deal. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number, 888-827-5536. I love it. Let's go to Edinburgh, yeah, in Scotland, and Mike, who's calling in from Skype. Hi, Mike. Hello, Leo. Um, Welcome to the show. Amazing. I love it that the calls that come in from Scotland via Skype sound 20 times better than the phone call from down the street. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. That's a shame. You'll pick up my nerves as well, then. <laughs> Um, I'm amazed to be on the show. Thanks for what you do, by the way. Um, I listen to the Tech Guy podcast as often as I can, and I think you're a real inspiration. Thank you, Mike. Um, so um, I don't know if my question is to do with um, a scam that's that's going around at the moment. Um, it seems to be getting worse. That um, I don't know if you've heard of it. You know, somebody phones up um, claiming to be from Microsoft Service Center. Um, and then, you know, they say there's problems on that have been detected on, on your PC and that they've been detailed off to, to sort them for you. Um, they then direct you onto your PC and get you to run Event Viewer and, and show the list of errors that come up through that. Um, and then they direct you to download a, a remote support uh, software so that they can get access to your PC. Um, have, is this something you've heard about? Is it? I, I uh, of course, there are many scams like this. Uh, the problem with this kind of scam is it's very labor intensive. Somebody has to work pretty hard. On the other hand, it's much more effective. So yeah. there's some bad guys who just you know spray their uh, their scams as to as many computers as possible. There's one right now going around in the Mac world. It's the Mac Defender, but there's some PC ones as well. In, in which in in these automated scams they they succeed because they hit millions of computers and they get a certain percentage of people who fall for it, but this particular scam of calling somebody is it's what we call social engineering and it's it takes a certain kind of person uh, I think a sociopathic person I mean a truly evil person who is really willing to lie to somebody's face that way 
Um, but these are very effective, and they're particularly effective on uh, neophyte users, older people, uh, people who, who yeah. say, oh, how nice, Microsoft called yeah. me to help me. Uh-huh. I mean, Anybody that's... like you and me, Mike, we're just gonna we're just gonna go. Oh yeah, right. Get out of here, you nitwit. That's what makes me furious is because um, I work with older people um, in a sort of computer support role, and three of uh, three people I know that's just in Edinburgh um, have been have fallen victim to this. One lady was um, in, she's eighty plus. She was charged. Um, 80 pounds for you know they let she let them have you know they're very they're very good i mean i've managed to catch um them on and because it's so prevalent it's really mushrooming here um that they're phoning several times a week and i managed to sort of get one of them good lord on i put it on youtube um i mean there's there's lots of videos on youtube about it now i know but i I just was desperate to do my bit to tell me where the youtube video is mike and i'll put it we'll put it in our show notes so people can see it I've only just put it up. It's if you, um, if you uh... hold on a second, we're gonna have to take a break. When we come back, you could tell me. Don't go anywhere. Leo Laporte. I'd like to hear what this sounds like. The tech guy. This is the theme for our new studios, which we're calling the Brick House, because uh, there's a lot of brick involved. And actually, I should be honest, the truth is, and uh, and this is good in earthquake country, we're here in Northern California, it is a wood frame structure, (laughs) much better in an earthquake, but with a beautiful brick facade, and we're putting a lot of brick inside as well, because I just like the feel of it. It is uh, it is a more than 100-year-old building that we're in. It was an old... Or, we're not in it yet, by the way. We're uh, we're still in the uh, Tech Guy Labs, the cottage here down the street. But uh, that new 10,000-square-foot studio will be in about a month, two months. Uh, and it was an old furniture factory at the turn of the last century. Um, I remember when I first moved to Petaluma, it was a drugstore, Tuttle's Drugstore. It's been a number of other things since, but we've, we've, uh, we've, we're moving in. Very excited, and I'll let you know. When we uh, get in there, and it won't look too different. We're re- we're rebuilding the Tech Guy Labs in a part of the studio. So if you just tune in in a couple of months and it looks pretty much the same, I want to do that so I don't disturb anybody. So we've been talking to Mike. He's on the line from Edinburgh, Scotland. And uh, apparently, now I, I haven't heard about this happening in the States, although I wouldn't be surprised. But apparently... Uh, it's happening a lot in Edinburgh. People are getting calls from somebody purporting to be from Microsoft saying, we are, now why would Microsoft do this? We are, we see there's some bad stuff on your computer. We'd like to help. You need to download this software. Folks, burn this into your brain. Anytime anybody online or off says, put this software on your computer, think twice because that a bad guy has to get you to run a program on your system, either with your knowledge or behind your back. But that all malware, all viruses, all of these attacks require a program to run on your computer. And the trick for these guys is to get you to do it. Sometimes they do it because they take advantage of flaws in the operating system that 
make it possible to do this, but more often than not, they trick you either by posting on your screen a very credible warning. You've been infected. Download our antivirus tool right now. Or through this more complicated, but probably even more effective with the right audience, scam of actually calling. Mike, do they sound like they're from Scotland or do they sound like they're from uh, somewhere else? Oh, no, no. It's, it's definitely, it sounds, it sounds like, like your typical Indian call center. Um, it probably is. I mean, it probably is. The only way this would work um, at a scale that would make it worthwhile is if you have hundreds of guys making these calls. Well, that's that's the impression we're getting. Um, and, in fact, there's various articles now. Um, the, the video that the, on YouTube that you asked about, if you go on YouTube and, and search for Windows Service Center call scam, and my name, it's Mike Wibike. <laughs> um, and, uh, but there's lots of other sort of videos of other folk that have, have caught these folk at it. Um, they're very convincing. They're very patient. I mean, the, I mean, you can see how they, they're effective because they they take such pains about you know, and and as you say, with novice users, um, stepping people through how to to start the run command, um, type in event viewer, bring up the list of errors that you know that come up as a matter of course when you look at event viewer. And then saying, oh, ooh, that shows just how critical things are with your computer, which, of course, to a, a novice user, it does look like that. It, all these red um, exclamation marks with error, error, error. And some right. of is critical. That's normal. And, and then they convince you that, you know, or you've now just gone, you know, go on to run and down, uh, type in www.teamviewer or, or something like right. that. And they then, you know, get you to remote access to your PC and as I say, I've kn- I know three people in Edinburgh, my acquaintance, who, who have fallen victim to this, and it seems to be mushrooming. And what I don't understand is why more isn't being done about it, you know, by the likes of Microsoft or... Um, what are they going to do? They can't... I mean, all they can do is do what you're doing, which is for us to get the word out. I, uh-huh. um, the problem is that... Uh, well, here's the, here's the real issue. I mean, there, look, there's, scam- there's been scammers uh, for as long as there have been humans. Yeah. Uh, in the old days, a con artist had to come up to you on the street, and uh, and it's always been a pretty similar scam to the uh, Nigerian uh, scams that are going around, which is you can make a lot of money, but first we have to go to your bank and get you to give me some money. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just the oldest scam in the book, and uh, and and they often prey on uh, the elderly or the less uh, computer literate. Uh, this scam is so much work. Uh, you know, and take so much time that either they have to have an army of people. That's probably why it comes from places like India. I wouldn't be surprised if these were actual former tech support people who perhaps are out of work and have signed on to another kind of a call center. So that's why they sound so credible. But there's so much work involved. They've got to get out of each and every victim some significant money. They've got to get credit card numbers They've got to be able to use this or it's not worth it. They need to make some big bucks from these people. So this is very much a individualized con game compared to the mass-marketed con game of, uh, of Mac Defender and Antivirus 2009. But all of them are a huge problem. Apparently Canada is getting this problem right. um, as well. Um, so uh, they're telling me in the chat room, I can't find your video. What is, what is your account on uh, YouTube? Maybe it's better if I just go to YouTube.com slash... Um, it's Mike Wibike, M-I-K-E-W-I-B-I-K-E. Um, well, that's easy, Mike Wibike. Okay, let me go there because it's 
probably easier to go there than through the search. And yeah, I think I found it. Windows Service Center. Ah, you know why? You sell, you Scots spell center funny. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I couldn't find it. You've got it you've got it all confused. So this is this something you recorded? Yeah. Yeah. Um over yeah, I mean, it's, as I say, they're falling so often that um I, I just had to you know, just this last week, um they've phoned three times. Um, oh my god, that's terrible. Well, Mike, I, you know, I asked them to phone back so that I could say, you know, I was desperate to try and, so so that I could sort of tape a, a, a I mean, Well, let me I'm going to play this. Uh, you know, it's 6 minutes 59 seconds, but I'm let me can I play a few uh, seconds of this for people to hear? Yeah. Mike, I thank you for calling. I'll do it after the break. I want to take a little break here, but uh, uh thank you for calling and uh, and raising the alarm. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for uh listening to the tech guy. The podcasts are available at techguylabs.com, of course, but also many of our local stations. We now have, we're just across 150 affiliates, which is huge. I'm very grateful to all the stations along the line. So if you listen uh, in a local, uh, to a local station, make sure you, you know, visit their website and download the podcast from them. Give them some credit. We'll play that, a little bit of that in just a second. But first, I want to talk about Carbonite Online Backup. Maybe this is a good time to do it because, you know, not only do you need to be prepared against scammers and have, uh, you know, antivirus software and, you know, update your, your system, you should really have a good backup. That's kind of the, the last line of defense because viruses strike, uh, bad things happen, floods, tornadoes, earthquakes, fire, uh, theft, and you know what's on your hard drive. It's all the stuff that you can ill afford to lose, financial records, legal documents, emails, pictures. Sometimes those are the most valuable things. The only copy of pictures of your your kid's birth or your wedding or your family dog. Those things are so important. Well, not my family dog. I got plenty of pictures of him. I don't need any more of you, Ozzy. He came in here to look. <laughs> yes, I'm talking about you. You got to protect him. And that's where Carbonite's so cool. Automatic backup so you don't have to think about it. And it's to the internet where it's always safe. They have multiple centers. So not only is, is your backup backed up from your computer it's backed up from their systems as well there are copies of your stuff and it's all encrypted so it's super safe super private and anytime you need it you can get it easily by logging into your carbonite account you don't have to wait till the disaster you could do it from any computer even your smartphone try it free for 15 days and you, you tell me what you think just 59 dollars for every bit of personal data on your internal drive 59 bucks a year that's it less than five bucks a month go to carbonite.com Use the offer code LEO to try it free. If you decide to buy, use my name again because you'll get uh, 14 months for the price of 12. Two months free. Carbonite.com. you got to back it up to get it back, so do it right with Carbonite. I've got the video here uh, that Mike made. Let me play just a little bit of this. I haven't listened to it ahead of time. I don't know how easy it will be to understand, but uh, this is some, some of the call that actually uh, came into Mike of one of these scammers trying to get him to install their malware. Phone's ringing. I believe you understand that you had received a call from the Windows Service Center, and we are the associate of all the all the Windows operating system all over the world. And the reason why we are calling you because the reason why we're calling is we receive a lot of airports reports from the computer you're using. See, that'd be very credible to somebody who hasn't, who you know, doesn't know any better. It's not very loud, and I apologize. And I know it's a little bit hard to uh, to understand. You can go to YouTube.com/slash/mike. W-I-B-I-K-E uh, to hear more about this. Let me see if I... Yeah, I got it all the way up. Um, yeah. All right. 
They've switched over to a woman now. This is just, boy, I'm glad you recorded that, Mike. Please don't fall for that. Microsoft will not call you at your home, I promise you. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Well, a good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy, and this is the show where we talk about tech, not just the good, but the bad and the ugly, the scams, the malware. Try not to spend too much time on that. It's so depressing. I like to talk about the good stuff, too, in tech. If you want to talk with me, I'd love to hear from you, 8888-ASK-LEO. That's my number, 888-827-5536, toll-free from anywhere in the U.S., Outside the U.S., you can use Skype, like Mike did, and Skype to that number won't cost you anything. Hey, I want to give some kudos to uh, a, a fellow podcaster, a friend, a meteorologist uh, named James Spann, who uh, works in uh, Alabama uh, on uh, television. He's a TV weatherman. And, of course, you remember we had terrible tornadoes just ripping through Alabama uh, last week, uh, pretty amazing. Uh, he's um, it's uh, ABC thirty three forty, I guess. Um, he uh, stayed on the air, tracking the tornadoes in real time using UStream and Twitter, having people uh, in the audience tweet him. He has sixty thousand followers on Facebook, twenty six thousand on Twitter. In effect, telling him, here comes a tornado, we're here, it's here, it's here. And the value of these reports from social networks is just incalculable. He, he, incalculable. he saved many, many lives. He used the hashtags uh, on Twitter, pound, we are Alabama. And now he's got hashtags, and you should search Twitter if you want to see more about this. Pound AL needs and pound AL haves. So these are people who need something and people who have something. Uh, a fascinating way to use social networks for uh, good. He is truly an impressive uh, person and uh, I'm a, just an amazing fellow. He does um, a, a podcast you might be interested in called Weather Brains, if you're interested in meteorology. It's a, it's a podcast of meteorologists talking about weather. Um, but what a hero. So there's a there's something to cheer you up a little bit. The use of technology uh, to save lives in the midst of just a terrible uh, situation. He also has the Alabama Weather Blog, a l a b a m a w x dot com, and uh, was using that as well to uh, track the storms as they went through the uh, state. There is, a, uh, of course, a great need in Alabama, and anybody who's listening who wants to help out, uh, 
can do so through the Red Cross. Amazon has a um, a registry, which this is an interesting way to do it as well, the Alabama Tornado Relief and Support Registry. It's a wish list from people who need something. And what an interesting and direct way to help out. Uh, it was created by the uh, Christian Service Mission in Birmingham. And uh, if you want to donate, instead of just giving money, you could buy, say, some lunches to go or raisins or honey bears or grape jam or the kinds of things people need immediately and have it sent directly. I just think this is amazing. You know, so often when a disaster happens and you donate to the Red Cross, and certainly I wouldn't discourage that as well, but you don't get a sense of what exactly that money's been used for or how it's helped. This is very direct. I'm going to buy you know, some, some disposable razors. They need 100. They've received 13. Buy some, you know, something like that, that really, you know, baby food, uh, infant formula. This is just fantastic. I, I think... This is another great use, a great example of how technology can be used um, very directly directly to make a, a difference. And Amazon's offering free shipping there uh, for their part. Um, just, just really, really cool. So I hope, you know, when we talk about these scams and these people are trying to rip us off and all the negatives that you hear about and uh, having to do with the Internet, I, I, I almost hate to talk about that because there's so much good, so much positive good that is done every single day. The Internet has brought us so many wonderful boons that, um, and, and in cases of disaster like this, that uh, we just cannot forget that. It's so, it's so easy to focus on the negative, and there's so much positive. Let's remember that, too. I think sometimes when I talk to parents, you know, we, I, I, I sometimes will talk to parents and kids about privacy online and protecting your kids online. And I always want to start by, by saying, look, the Internet is great and your kids need to know how to use it. You might be tempted just to turn it off. That's too dangerous. But that's not going to help them going into life. They need to know how to use it safely. And, and uh, it's, that's, it's so important to remember. Let's go to Diamond Bar, California. We've got Ronald our, on the line, our next caller. Hi, Ronald. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Good day, Leo. Good day, mate. Hey, yeah. I'm interested in the uh, ViewSonic ViewPad, and I understand it, it has the uh, port for, uh, for a phone, but there are no carriers for it. And I was wondering what you thought about using it uh, as a phone in addition to some of the other apps like like the Kindle and for web browsing. You're not going to like my answer. Okay. <laughs> I don't like, first of all, uh, it's a Windows 7 tablet. Okay. <clears throat> uh, we've seen Windows tablets for 10 years. I've bought so many of them. Bad idea. The only thing to do with a tablet, as far as I'm concerned, is to buy an operating system designed for touch from the ground up. So the so that might be the BlackBerry Playbook, that might be an Android tablet, but the truth is, maybe you don't like this, maybe uh, people who don't like Apple don't like me to say it, but it's the simple truth. The iPad is the only tablet to look at today. There is nothing even close. 
in terms of quality of build, uh, variety of applications, ease of use, intuitiveness, it's not even close. So I, I you know, I think it, it. This is a case where there are a lot of companies who have looked at Apple's success with the iPad and said, "I want that," and they've rushed out a lot of products on different uh, operating systems. Um, I the BlackBerry Playbook, beautiful hardware, nice operating system, no apps, doesn't even have email, no apps. Uh, the Androids, impressive. But really not, I don't think, ready for prime time. I think the Samsung Galaxy Tab is a nice tablet. And I'm an Android phone user. I like Android. There is nothing close to the iPad. And um, I just, I think it would be a huge mistake to buy a Windows 7-based tablet. We've been there, done that. Terrible. <laughs> just terrible. Um, so... You know, one of the reasons they don't have a carrier deal is no carrier wants to take a chance with the tablet, with the ViewPad. They just, it doesn't, uh, they know they're not going to sell any. In fact, we're starting to think that sales numbers for the uh, Android-based tablets like the Samsung are really bad. Meanwhile, yesterday in China, the iPad 2 went on sale and sold out within hours. They cannot keep these in stock, and there's a good reason. If you want a Windows 7 tablet, I would look at, at least do yourself a favor and look at a laptop-based convertible, something like the um, Lenovo X220, which turns into a notebook, has a notebook keyboard. If you need a stylus to use a tablet, (laughs) if it's an operating system not designed from the ground up to be touched, if it's Windows, I'm telling you, just trust me, save your money. If you need a tablet, buy an iPad. That will change. There will be strong comp- competition probably by the end of the year, but it isn't, it isn't there now. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888-ASK-LEO. Rocking and rolling. 888-275-536. You don't have to remember that, though. Just remember techguylabs.com. That's the website. And uh, phone number is featured prominently right on the front page there. Along with uh, show notes, thanks to our friend James DeRuvo, who writes everything down as I say it. And puts links into the show notes. This is episode 767. That's easy to remember. Episode 767. And uh, if you just go there, you can see Saturday's show. Click the link. But there's also links to the chat room. Great to be in there. 795 people now in there. My brain. Uh, And also links to the live video, the uh, forums, the glossary, the FAQ, all that stuff. Tech guy. Labs. Dot. Apple released new uh, computers, a new iMacs this week. Interesting choice from uh, Apple. Uh, It's kind of a, um, um, I would say, a look ahead 
to uh, future technologies for Apple. First of all, these are the new iMacs based on the newest Intel processor, the Sandy Bridge, which is a really nice uh, system uh, on a chip with a built-in um, uh, video and so forth. But also uh, as many as two Thunderbolts. <laughs> Thunderbolt is a port that Apple and Intel co-developed that is designed to replace FireWire, to, re- to compete with USB 3.0, to even replace their mini display port technology, which they use, uh, that's the connector they use to go to their monitors. Um, these iMacs will ship with uh, Thunderbolt ports, one or two Thunderbolt ports, which can be used to connect dry- hard drives, uh, monitors, and who knows what else. Who knows what else. Um, I suspect uh, that uh, the fact that they're putting these now on the laptops and on the desktops means we'll see some interesting uses of that. Um, They also, uh, and this is the thing that excites me, one of the options, and it's an expensive option, but one of the options is for a two-drive iMac. Remember, their iMac is their all-in-one unit that has a flash drive and a spinning hard drive, an SSD drive and a spinning hard drive. If you've not used an SSD drive on a computer, you perhaps don't realize what a difference it makes. It's incredible. About a year ago, I decided uh, that that all my computers would at least have an SSD, a solid-state drive, for booting up. It really speeds boot up time from a minute or two to seconds. It also speeds up the launching of uh, applications and a lot of other uh, things. It it makes a computer feel fast. In fact, it's such an improvement that Apple was able to ship its super lightweight, super thin MacBook Air... Uh, with a very slow old processor, a Core 2 uh, Duo uh, of 1.4 gigahertz, but they put it. But the drive is a solid state drive, and it feels like a very fast machine. It shows you really that the speed of our, our machines these days has more to do with the speed of the uh, what they call the I/O, the input output, than it does the speed of the processor. It's how fast the drive responds that can make a huge difference in speed. So these new iMacs, you as an option and a pricey one. You can have a uh, 256 gig solid state drive as the boot drive. That's enough for your operating system and your applications. And uh, I have to say, if if you can afford a few hundred extra bucks, it does make a huge difference in speed. I'm starting to think that from now on, uh, even when I buy desktops, I'm I'm going to buy them with a solid state drive to start them up. And I and I have the old. Uh, I have an old, I have a i7 based Mac Pro that's running on the spinning drives, the old style mechanical drives, and I think I'll probably buy a solid state drive for that. People concerned, I think, with the SSD drives in that they might wear out faster. There's no evidence of of that. Um, uh, The capacities are lower and the prices are higher. That's the negative. In every other respect, I think they're superior to spinning drives. But that's why you have two. You have a smaller, lower capacity, less expensive, one hopes, solid-state drive for booting up in applications. And then you have the terabyte or two-terabyte mechanical drive for all the rich data, all the storage that you need. Because nowadays we do need a lot of space. Orange County, California. We go uh, to Orange County and Jocelyn on line three. Hi, Jocelyn. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi there, Leo. I hope you can help me. I have an iPhone that did a um, bad sync. And then I was told I had to restore, 
and I'm trying to see if there's any way to get the photos back that were on the camera roll. Are you well, did you ever, you know, when you first connect an iPhone to iTunes, it says backing up. Did you ever, did it ever back them up? I think so, yes. Good. Then the photos are there. They're in the backup. Okay. And there seems to be that you have to kind of decipher the backup files. Well, the easiest way to do this would be to restore the iPhone from a backup. Okay. Right. Um, uh, that that would get you right right back to the last time you synced that phone before you had the bad upgrade. Unfortunately, that is seems to be the last date of the last backup is the date of the bad sync. Does it give you other choices? Um, there are more recent choices. Nothing older than that? No. Even though I know I backed it up previously. Well, then now that poses a problem because if you don't have a backup prior to the restore... When you did the restore, did it say, uh, would you like to do this fresh or restore from the previous backup? Um, it, well, what ended up happening was it said there's a new operating system. Do you want to do that? And then there was some sort of problem when I did that. And then it said, you know, I got like one of the errors, 1610. And then it said, you know, you need to restore. Hmm. And but then again, it didn't say. Would you like to rest, restoration? Is a two-step process. One is to restore the operating system, and then you would restore from a back. It would give you the option to restore from a backup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you did that, it would have it would have restored the pictures. Okay. Yeah. But I'd, you don't see the pictures there. Uh no, no. So the backup file is a is a SQL Lite SQL Lite file, so it can be easily parsed with with appropriate software. Okay. Uh, but the problem is it sounds like you don't have a backup file. That's what concerns me a little bit. Are you on Windows or Mac? I'm on Windows XP. So the, the backup file is stored in um, a folder in your your home folder called Application Data. Right. And I've actually got in there, and I see, you know, like, because I also have an iPad, I have... Good. So you'll see application data, Apple computer, mobile sync, backup, and there should be a list of files in there. Now, one hopes that you've got a file from before this disaster. Right. Yeah, and that's what it's looking like I don't for some reason. I don't know if it overwrote. Oh. Now, if if you install it as a new iPhone, of course, previous backups will no longer show up in your list, but they, they wouldn't erase the files from your hard drive. Right. Okay. Well, I just didn't know if you were familiar with the iPhone Explorer... Or, uh, That's a good one. Extractor. Yep. All of those are fine. I'm just a little... I mean, it's not a hard thing to do because SQL Lite is very well known. It's an easy thing to walk through the data. The problem is, can we find those files? Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Let's see if we can help you after this.
This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by ACDC and my internet service provider, DSL Extreme, for high-speed internet at an amazing price. Don't call uh, Angus. Call DSL Extreme, 866, the number two, get net. To get DSL Extreme, Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy, Kyle, once again. Finding apropos music. The reason he played that is because uh, during the break I was looking at a video that somebody in the chat room had sent me uh, of a woman uh, in uh, Alabama who had been picked up her car, in, picked up by a tornado, and survived in her car. But she, <laughs> okay, folks, don't do this. She saw the tornado coming. She thought it was going to miss her, so she whipped out her cell phone camera and started shooting video. Now, I admit she got some pretty cool video, but I don't <laughs> I don't know if that was really worth it. I don't know if that was really worth it. I do think that it's pretty amazing the kind of things that we now have first-hand video of because everybody is carrying around cameras and and video recorders with them at all times. Amazing. All right, we were uh, talking before the break uh, with Jocelyn in Orange County, who uh, has an iPhone that uh, had a bad uh, upgrade, so she had to restore, and in the restoration process lost everything, um, despite the fact that she had been backing it up. Now, I don't know what to say, Jocelyn, except that uh, you, if you can if you find the older backups in that location, in the application data, Apple computer, and I'm there. Uh, and, and and if you look at the dates of the files there, if you could find an older file, it's going to have those pictures in it. They're there. Right. If you can't find an older file, then for some reason they're not there. Well, and I'm wondering, you know, if I try and use this backup where things seem to go wrong. That's what I would do. Okay. That's your best hope right now. Okay. So do a restore, uh, you know, re- restore uh, from a previous backup. That's one of the options in iTunes. Okay. And uh, I hate to use you as an example, but uh, I'm sure you won't do this again. Remember that, and I, unfortunately, I hear from people all the time who have pictures on their phone. It's My wife does it. She, her phone is loaded with probably eight months of pictures. And I keep saying, honey, you got to. You got to import those pictures. You can't just leave them on the phone like they're safe. Right, right. You got, you got to, you know, on Windows, get Picasa or uh, there. You know, there's an infinite number of great programs that will take those pictures off the phone. Any idea why the um, scanner and camera wizard wouldn't be recognizing the iPhone? Because that's another thing that I noticed. Is it supposed to? Well, you know how there's a list. <laughs> oh, I see. For the import. Yeah. Um. Boy, that's an interesting question. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Um, I do remember, boy, I have dim, dim memory. Maybe the chat room has a better memory than I do. They are, after all, my brain externalized. But I do remember reading uh, issues sometimes with the iPhone not being, or another camera not being seen. See, I think the, I think the, I don't think the iPhone works that way. It's not, it's not, doesn't show up as an external drive. It's designed not to be that, and that's Apple's infinite wisdom. Okay. Uh, what you need to do is use iTunes, and then you can hook up iTunes to an importer. Okay. Um, and so going forward, it would be really a good idea every night to hook up. You, you, when you charge your iPhone, 
if you can hook it up to the computer and charge it, that will do a backup. And it will, if you have it set up properly, automatically uh, import all your photos. When you go, when you're going to restore your iPhone, you should see a drop-down list of all the backups, and you want to use the oldest one you've got. That'll be, give you the best bet of getting back those photos. If you can find the older files, you don't have to restore them to the phone. You sure, certainly can. Uh, it, by the way, when you upgrade the operating system of the iPhone and you do a restore from an older version, that's okay. It, it won't overwrite the, uh, you know, it won't go backwards in time as far as the operating system. It just restores the data. So you should be okay on that. I don't know what else to say. Um, Dale Poco says he just copies the photos off the iPhone using Windows Explorer all the time. So if that works, is there a setting, Dale, that you have to... I'm talking to the chat room. My brains. I'm talking to my brains. Dale, is there a setting that you have to set uh, in iTunes to make that possible to uh, treat the uh, iPhone as storage or something like that? Maybe there is. I know the touch and the other iPods, that's different. It's the phone that's the issue. Yeah, it's a setting in iTunes. That that makes sense to me. Oh, I'm sorry, Jocelyn. I hope you do get those pictures back. And if you have videos of getting caught in a tornado, make sure you send those into your local news station. Stephanie is in Boston. No tornadoes there. Hey, Stephanie. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi. Um, I'm... Uh-oh. Are you still there? Sounds like something bad happened to her phone right in the middle. Hmm. Well, Stephanie, I'm going to put you on hold. Maybe we can figure out what happened and you can come back on. It's, uh, But uh, something odd happened uh, there. Jeff in Carpinteria, California. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi. I uh, want to thank you. I've learned a lot over the years by listening to your show. Thanks. Uh, Oftentimes what we learn on this show is what not to do. <laughs> well, that's sort of what I'm calling about. I heard you talking about the different uh, places that come up, and they say, you know, download our software, and it will do this and that. I was surfing the net a while ago, and somewhere along the line, something pops up called Mac Keeper. Yeah. And I was wondering if you were familiar with it and if it was legit. Well, I could tell you, even if it's legit, you don't want to patronize them in any way. Because doing that is irresponsible. Don't put pop-ups on my screen. So um, I'm looking at the Mac Keeper website. Uh, it makes me nervous when I hear it's a 911 for your Mac, an easy way to manage routine tests. Do you love your Mac? I've never heard of this program. Uh, it does look like it's legitimate. It's something you could download. But I wouldn't want to patronize anybody that puts a pop-up on your system. I mean, okay. it's popping up because you're on a website that they bought an ad on. Yeah, it might have come up on a Google search or something. Yeah. Oh, well, that's different. I was wondering if I'd get into trouble if I used it. No, no, it's fine. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, also, uh, what site has the shortest delay time if I'm either watching and or listening? Oh, you want to watch or listen to the show? Mm-hmm. Uh, that varies, unfortunately. You know, our live video is live.twit.tv, and the what the delay is all about is that uh, in order to stream audio or video, it's the picture has to go into a machine, which crunches it up to a small file size, then goes to a server, 
there's some delay in that process uh, of, of a second or two or three or four. And then there's some latency, some delay between the time it gets to the server and then the server serves it to you. So it and it varies. So if you go to live.twit.tv, most of the time it's only a few seconds. Uh, Justin.tv, uh, they're telling me in the chat room is about four or five seconds. You could tell by looking at my clock. I have a clock uh, that is supposedly a, a radio uh, attuned to the atomic clock. And uh, that should give you some idea. Um, but it's only a few seconds uh, delay, I think. If you listen to the radio, by the way, it's longer delayed because as as with all talk radio shows, we have a, a, a delay in, uh, on it, a 40-second delay in our case, so that if somebody does something bad, uh, Kyle back in the control room can press a button and it goes away. <laughs> it's, uh, it used to be a seven-second delay and now it's 40. I guess I guess people do, do longer bad. I don't know. <laughs> We have more time to react. Probably that's it. 8888-ASK-LEO, that's the phone number. Hang in there. We're going to get to uh, your call next. Stay here. The good... The bad and the malware. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy 88, 88 Ask Leo. The website is techguylabs.com. We're taking your calls and talking about uh, computers and the internet and cell phones and camcorders and all of that jazz. Uh, let's go to line five. Scott in Laguna Niguel, California. Hey, Scott. Hello, Leo. I have a question on using Google Voice and yes. the, op, the custom options. I have a Verizon phone, and Verizon's going to charge me uh, deactivation and then charge me a couple hundred bucks if I want to use their phone. Um, is there a way to set the Google Voice um, to use all of their functions without having a with using a secondary carrier's telephone number? Do you know? So you have a Verizon phone now. You don't want to quit because they'll charge you early termination fee. Correct. But you want to go to a different carrier. No, I want to stay with the carrier, but um, I have a Google Voice telephone number. Yes. Um, And I want people to call that telephone number and have the custom greetings per group or... Yeah, I love that part of Google Voice. And Verizon says I can't do that without the early termination. No, you just have one of the phones that your Google Voice goes to be that Verizon phone. So you can you can attach – I can't show this on the screen for those watching at home because I'll show my Google Voice number. But you, you can, if you go into the Google Voice settings, you know you can attach – different phones to Google Voice so that when somebody calls your Google Voice number, it rings that phone. I, in fact, have it ring three or four different phones because I always have multiple, uh, you know, uh, mobile phones, multiple cell phones. So I don't have to remember which one to bring with me or I just tell people my Google Voice number and it rings all of them, including my home number. Uh, But I still get all those Google Voice features. I'm not sure why Verizon's saying that. You want to use the Google, you want people to call the Google Voice number, not the Verizon number, right? Correct. 
Yeah. Verizon may be thinking you want to use the Verizon number on Google Voice. You can, in fact, port the Verizon number to Google Voice. They may think that's what you want to do. But if all you want to do is have, let's say my Google Voice number is, you know, uh, 707-CALL-LEO. Uh, if you call that number, it will ring my cell phone. And, uh, but still, all the Google Voice voicemail handling will be in there. Um, I can even tell, if I, with an Android phone, I can tell it to use Google Voice as the, as the voicemail of the phone. I don't even have to use Verizon's voicemail. I use Google Voice as the vo- Yeah, I use the, the voicemail on my um, Android already. So Right. So I'm not sure. I don't quite understand what the issue is. You understand that you can have that Google Voice number ring your Verizon phone, right? That was my understanding of it. I have not been able yeah. to work. It hasn't worked? Oh, well, I do it all the time. Yeah. I Okay. So what will happen is when you uh, first uh, attach that Verizon phone to Google Voice is it'll call it. And, a, and, a, and an automated woman will say, please enter in the code. And it'll be a two-digit code that Google Voice will show on your computer. Two five, you enter it on the phone and says, "Thank you. You've now associated this phone number with Google Voice." And then in the Google Voice settings, you'll uh, you'll say, uh, "You know, ring this number." You can, I mean, you could do things like ring this number when my wife calls, ring that number when work calls, things like that. It's very flexible. I'm a I'm a big fan of Google Voice. It's free. Voice.google.com. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what difficulties you're having uh, with it, but if it's merely getting that number attached, I've done it with Verizon, so I know you can, without any charge from Verizon. Never ask Verizon if you could do something. Just do it. <laughs> it's always better <laughs> with a cell phone company to do it and ask, ask uh, don't, better, better to apologize afterwards and ask permission up front. Actually, I'm not sure that's my advice, but... It could be the case. I'd like to talk, if you don't mind, a little bit about a great product that I've been using for some time from the folks at ESET, E-S-E-T. They make antivirus software, and they make one that I am a particular fan of called Nod32. Have you heard me talk about this? If you're using Windows, you need Nod32. It's just the greatest little antivirus in the world. I say little, but it's really it's big in the sense that it, it's the most successful, most powerful the best with zero-day exploits. You know, I just saw a study that said, in fact, Microsoft's free uh, security solution is not very good with zero-day exploits, and that's that's kind of concerning. What's a zero-day exploit? Well, you know, there's the Verizons that have been around for... Uh, I'm sorry, there's the... <laughs> sometimes I confuse Verizon with viruses. There's the viruses that have been around for a long time. Those almost any antivirus can detect. It's the viruses that are brand new that are really the risk. They're the ones that are spreading like wildfire. And until you have a, an update on the signatures, you may not be able to protect yourself against. What Nod32 does is it's got these advanced heuristics. It catches these zero-day exploits, these brand-new exploits, because it watches for virus-like activity and nips it in the butt. And it does it so well it, that it's the ultimate in protection, better than anything out there, and free for the next 30 days if you go to eset.com slash Leo or call 866-935-ESET. If you use Windows, believe me, you need Nod32. It's just the best. I put it on all my machines. Ron's in Toronto. Hello, Ron. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Thanks for calling. 
Well, I'm watching on Twit Live, so I can see you bouncing around on the ball and everything else. But Yeah, five seconds from now, you'll see me salute you. <laughs> That's true. Right now, what I'm dealing with right now is a, well, make a long story short. Had some little viruses going on my machine, had to wipe out my whole hard drive, reinstalled it, and then the hard drive failed with a smart error. Ah! <laughs> ah! Yeah, ran over to my local place. Uh, we ran Spinrite on it. Thank God for Spinrite. Was able to recover the whole hard drive, transferred it to another 120 gig hard drive I had kicking around. The problem is now that this 120 gig has now come up with an error. Could this have been an right. error? No. No, eh? If Spinrite fixed it, what happened? The original error, because Spinrite was able to fix it, was merely that a sector that the uh, was used on the hard drive was flaky, was unreliable couldn't be read consistently. So what Spinrite does that's different from what the operating system does, it doesn't give up. So it it's using the same technology to read the drive that the operating system is. But it but the operating system gives up after a certain number of times. Otherwise, you you'd never get anything done. The operating system it's called a time out. It times out. It gives up. Spinrite does say, "No, I'm not going to give up." And keeps reading until it finally gets a copy. And when it gets a copy that it knows is good and it can verify that it's good, it then says, don't use that sector anymore. We had a hard time with it, and moves the data to another sector, updates the catalog so that the operating system can read the file normally, and, and you're good to go. So that drive is now okay. In other words, because it's not going to use that sector anymore. It's mapped out. All drives have bad sectors. In fact, all drives have a significant number of bad sectors. Uh, so this is perfectly normal. The fact that the new drive had a similar problem just means it had a Similar problem, but not not that it's related. Okay, because when I ran it again, it said that it didn't find any BIOS problem. Yeah, it's not a BIOS issue. It's a it's a sector read issue. Okay, so that's the only thing Spinrite. That's the only thing Spinrite really does. Okay, then so hard drives garbage, I guess. Then well, all hard drives have yes. Now that's the that's the issue. So this was the original drive that failed on you. Yeah, it's an old one hundred twenty gig hard. Yeah. Drive back. So typically, when a sector starts, when sectors start going bad on a drive, it's not it's not an isolated incident. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Leo. You're welcome. Yeah, I keep referring to, and I have many times this great Google white paper on hard drive failure. Google knows because they have more hard drives in use than anybody in the world. All that Google data is stored somewhere. Yeah, it's stored on hard drives, and they've been keeping track for years, and so they know that, for instance, drives tend to fail in the first few months. If they don't. They tend to be fine for two years, very few failures, and then they start failing at a fairly high rate, something like eight percent a year for the rest of you know eternity. A certain you know, you know, your chances continue to get more and more every year uh, as they wear. What it doesn't tell you is any individual drive whether it's going to be you know good forever or it's a pure statistical thing. So we don't know. Drives can fail right away. They could drive fail in a year. They could fail in six months. They tend to be good if they survive that infant period, that's the first three or four months, they tend to be good for a couple of years. But it is also the case that when drives start to fail, as yours did, that they're going to, you're probably going to see more errors. You can get errors for a lot of reasons. You know, you can get errors just because some of the data was written wrong or a sector that was kind of marginal always wasn't marked off by the manufacturer. So maybe that fixes it forever. But I would watch carefully any drive that fails once because, you know, chances are it's going to have more problems. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
Well, a good day to you. Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. And this is the show where we talk about all those things that are changing in our world thanks to digital technology, new computers, cell phones, new camcorders and MP3 players, home theater, all of that stuff. This is the uh, the show where we explain it, celebrate it, help you work around uh, problems, solve issues. Phone number is 888 827 Five five three six. Easier to remember is eighty eight, eighty eight. Ask Leo. Think of two pianos, each with eighty eight keys, and then the middle, Ask Leo in big letters. And then just you know call the number eighty eight eighty eight. Ask Leo. I think you probably heard a lot of. Uh, I even got a call from our our uh, local station here in San Francisco, KGO Radio. They they'd heard about the new Intel three D chips. Ivy Bridge. And they said, oh, tell us, what does it mean? And I just, I have to kind of laugh a little bit because it, it, this is good marketing. This is good marketing from Intel. Um, it's, it, in fact, it couldn't be better. If you've got a new chip design, it's kind of hard to say to the mainstream media, we have a 22 nanometer process that will allow us to be faster and lower power. It is a die shrink of the Sandy Bridge. And the the mainstream media goes, huh? But if you say, we've invented 3D transistors, they'll go, ooh, 3D! (laughs) Oh, I know what that is! Ooh! (laughs) And that's exactly what happened. So this week, I think it was Thursday... Uh, Intel, um, as they do every uh, six six months or a year, they showed their roadmap for future processors. They call it the TikTok roadmap. The tick is major jumps in uh, uh, technologies, major innovations in technologies, and the talk is uh, shrinking and improving of those technologies. The tick, in this case, was Sandy Bridge, which is the new architecture that was announced by Intel and is, is impressive and then starting to appear in PCs uh, and Macs uh, in the last few weeks. And it's very good. I just got a Sandy Bridge laptop. It's fast. It's nice. It's not. It's very nice. You, you would love it. And then the talk on this is shrinking the darn thing down to, well, 22 nanometers, which is 22 billionths of a meter. Um, it's about one-tenth the width of a human hair. Or something. It's really, it's small. Really small. Really, really small. And, you know, there's this magical thing that happens in the world of microprocessors that's kind of cool. Usually when something gets smaller, think of Swiss watches, they get more expensive. Uh, Not in the world of microprocessors. When things get smaller, they get faster, lower power, and eventually cheaper. And so that's what Ivy Bridge will be. Ivy Bridge is a shrink, a shrinky dink, a smaller version of Sandy Bridge, but it does use something new, the Trigate transistor technology, which is essentially a um a, a way of making um these logic gates 
vertical as well as horizontal. Most logic gates are planar. They're two-dimensional. You, you, you create them uh, using a silk screening process. It's almost a drawing that you, that you create. By, by adding this third dimension, you can pack more uh, data onto the same space, but also it's more efficient. It maximizes the amount of current that can flow through the transistor when the transistor's on and makes the off state, the idle state, Virtually zero power. That's good. There's always leakage. There's always power leakage in these chips. Uh, and, you you know, whatever you can do to eliminate that will make the chips more efficient. So it's a, a quicker transistor, and it's a lower power transistor. And says, Intel says all our future products will be based on this 3D design. Good catchphrase. 3D is so much better than Trigate. Uh, and the Sandy Bridge uh, process will be shrunk down from its current uh, size to 22 nanometers, which is pretty impressive. It's not going to change anything until next year, so don't get you know all excited. It certainly wouldn't be worth waiting. Sandy Bridge just came out, so you know we've got seven or eight months before we're going to see uh, an update to that. I, I wouldn't hesitate to run out and buy a, a Sandy Bridge-based computer today, but just so you know. 3D, 3D, ooh, cool. 3D transistors, whoa. It'll be like Avatar. Will you need glasses to use it? <laughs> no, <laughs> you won't. 8888-ASK-LEO, that's the number. Tom is in Connecticut. Hey, Tom, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Leo, how are you? I am well. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm a long-time listener since the Tech TV days, and I really love the iPad Today show. So, Hey, that's the one I do with Sarah Lane on Thursdays. I love that show, too. It's so much fun. Yeah. Sarah and I go way back to the Tech TV days. You know, we've been working together for 10 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's so fun to do a show with her uh, now that she's all grown up. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and, and I, you know, I love talking about the iPad. Yeah, I love my iPad. I have a first gen one. I uh, don't have enough money for the second one yet, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. I don't, I, you know, I never use a camera on it. I'd be perfectly happy with a first gen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think the second gen is so much better that anybody should feel like they're being left behind. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm hoping you can help me with a problem that's kind of vexed me. Uh, it's a little bit complicated, so hopefully I explain it correctly. But uh, I have an iPhone four that I've been syncing to a PC that I have at home, and that PC died. I don't think the hard drive is bad. I think it's just uh, it's been an old computer, so something shot inside. Um, but the iPhone backup is still hidden on that drive. I do have a Mac Mini that I just uh, set up, closure that I could take the hard why, drive. Why do, you want, why do you want the old one? Uh, so I don't Isn't move. the iPhone still okay? Yeah, the iPhone's still okay, but... Uh, okay, then you don't have to worry. The first time you connect the iPhone to the new Mini, mm-hmm. it'll back up what's on the iPhone. You're good. Oh, it will. I thought it uh, erases... No, it doesn't update the... Ba- no, it starts from scratch. Oh, okay. Excellent. So that's good. That's why it takes so darn long. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. I thought it was going to... I thought it says that you erase uh, the iPhone. No, 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 no. From scratch. You, you, I mean, I would I would keep that old drive around just because someday you may want it, but uh, data that's on it or whatever. But no, no. The first time you connect your iPhone to the new computer, it'll go, "Hello, iPhone." It'll back it up. It'll if you've got all the apps and everything on there, it'll sync. If you don't now, do you ha- are you are you using this as a way to move the music onto your new computer? 
no, the music I'm not worried about. I only have a okay. little bit of music in the iPod. Okay. Uh, the podcast I can re-download. It was mainly the apps, like my Angry Birds. I have three stars. Ah, I don't okay. Know. I see what you're saying. No, no, but the phone remembers all that stuff. Oh, good. Okay. The phone's the original, so you're okay. Now, apps are interesting. Um, I see where the problem lies. Um, the app, When you first connect the apps, it'll say, I see apps that I don't have. Uh, would you like to transfer them off the phone? It'll suck them up onto the... Uh, on iTunes. So all your apps will transfer over. I'm worried about the saved games. Now that you say saved games, oh. let me think about that. Because, yeah, what will happen is it'll say this iPhone is syncing with another i copy of iTunes on another computer. Would you like to uh, sync it with this iTunes and erase it? Right. <laughs> Before that, it will copy the apps over. Um, that's an interesting question. Yeah, that's. I have to say, Apple has totally, totally screwed the way this works up. Right. Um, let me. Let me. Hang on. Let me do some research. There's got to be a way to save those saved games. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the number. If you've got a question, a comment, a suggestion, I'm trying to get some help from the chat room uh, for our friend in Connecticut, Tom. He's on the line right now. Let me give you the scenario, and then we're going to guess, Tom, because we're not sure. Okay. There seems to be some discussion about the whole thing. Tom has an iPhone. He's been playing a lot of Angry Birds. How, how far have you gotten? Uh, I cleared all the levels in all three of the games. So the season- so now you're going for the three stars. Uh, I already have all three stars in every single one. <laughs> well, yet no wonder you don't want to lose that. <laughs> that would be a crime. How many how many weeks of work does that represent? Uh, it's a lot. Uh, a lot of luck. <laughs> That's all right. Your wife's not listening. So here's the thing. Uh, you- <laughs> videos, so <laughs> yeah, those walkthrough videos do help. Yeah. So, but but so here's the thing: when you take that iPhone onto a new computer, which is what you're proposing to do, iTunes will say, "Hey, hey, you're you're, you're attached to a different computer. I'm going to erase and sync." And uh, at that point, it will, I think, erase those saved games. We're not worried about the music. We're going to leave that out. We're worried about saved games. It will also, the first time you connect it, it will say, "Hi, see some there apps on here that you've purchased that are not on my uh, system. Would you like me to transfer those over?" You should say yes to that. Here's the issue: Can we somehow save those saved games in this whole process? Uh, now, you, the good news is you've got the hard drive with all that stuff on there. It's still there. You could transfer the backup over at some point by connecting the drive using USB. The problem is the Mac's not going to be able to read a Windows drive, so it's a little more tricky than that, but you you can get the data off that drive. Let's see if we can do it without doing that. Uh, First thing I would say is absolutely important is run iTunes on the new Mac and log into it with the same account that you were logging in with the Windows PC. Okay. That will at least tell 
the Mac that you're authorized that this is your account. Right. It is my hope, and I hear people in the chat room telling me that if you do that ahead of time and then connect the iPhone, it won't erase everything. Okay. I would be very careful, though, if the very first thing you see is a pop-up that says, oh, can I erase and sync? If it says that, back out, because we don't want to do that. Okay. <sighs> Some people in the chat room, like Dell44223, say all you have to do is say, yes, transfer the purchases, and the saved games will transfer over. So it's possible that if the first button you see is, oh, I see you have some purchases, this so you've logged into iTunes. If the first button you see is, says transfer purchases, I would do that. Okay. If it then says erase and sync, then you've got a difficult decision. Because <laughs> it may be that erasing and syncing is fine because it's my understanding that when it backs up the app, it also backs up saved games, so it should transfer them over. Okay. However, if you want to be absolutely certain... Another thing you could do is jailbreak the iPhone. There is an app backup or an iPhone backup program you can then run that will get all that data. Right. Might be a good idea. <laughs> Might be a good idea. Safe to do that. Worst case scenario, you're going to take the old drive, mount it USB on another PC, and copy the backup files over. Okay. That'd be the that'd be the worst. They're telling me erase and sync is music and videos only. I've also heard that when you back up the when you transfer the purchases, it does transfer saved games. Excellent. I think it'll be all right. Would you Would you email me at Leo at TechGuyLabs dot com and let me know what happens? Sure, I will. <laughs> and uh, and and you know the safest thing to do would be to jailbreak it and make a copy. Then you know you got it. But I think if you're willing to take a little chance. And it's not the end of the world because you still have a copy on your old hard drive. Right. I think it's safe to do this. Good luck. <laughs> and again, if it doesn't ask to transfer purchases first, stop. Okay. <laughs> if it just says, I want to erase it, say no. But if it says, can I transfer? Remember, log into iTunes with the same account. If you plug in the iPhone, it says, oh, I see you have some purchases we don't have. Can I transfer them? Go ahead. Then you're going to have to decide. You have the lady or the tiger, the tough decision when it says erase and sync. And of course, worst case, as everybody points out in the chat room, you've got the old stuff there. You can consolidate the library on the old drive, move it over to the new drive, then everything is moved over, including saved games. Oh, this is a good one. Web 4520 has a good suggestion. This is a nice program, too. It's called iPhone Explorer. It's from the folks at ECAM, E-C-A-M-M dot com. And iPhone Explorer is not free, although I th there is a free trial that might, well, they call it Phone View now. Um, you can download it, and it will allow you to transfer the data right off the iPhone without a jailbreak. So um, I wonder if the demo will do that. If the demo does it, then you're then you're golden. You do that before you do anything else, and you can always get back your data. I love this uh, program. I bought it, and I think it's well worth the nineteen bucks. Phone View is the new name of it, and it's from a company called Ecam E C A double M dot com. Oh, but it's Mac only. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, that's right. You're going to a Mac. Okay, you're good. These are the problems. <laughs> 
that we, the intrepid computer users, have to solve. And by the way, can I just say this? Shame on Apple for making this so ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Uh, they lock this thing down like it's Fort Knox. And it, you know, it really does cause issues for people. Ah, Ted in Wisconsin, you're next. Hi, Ted. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi. How's everything going, Leo? Oh, it's great. Thanks for calling in. What can I do for you? Uh, yeah, I was looking uh, for a Netflix uh, thing for Android. Did they, do, did they don't have one yet? They don't. And uh, some there's some question about why not. Some say it's because Android uh, can't be secured in the way that uh, iOS can. You know, you can get Netflix, of course, for the iPad and the iPhone. There is no Netflix app for Android. I have heard rumors that they are, in fact, developing it. But it's not out yet. Yeah. And, and you know, there was this rumor, again, unsubstantiated, that the reason they didn't do it is because they couldn't copy protect it. Um, there, uh, last month, uh, there was a leaked version of this. Um, didn't work so well. So I don't know if it's real or not. But I... Actually, wait a minute. Let me go to... Oh, I take it back. Let's see. Netflix on Android. We recently announced Netflix on Windows Phone 7. We regard Android as an exciting technology. We're eager to launch, but disappointed we haven't been able to do so already. The hurdle has been the lack of a generic and complete platform security and content protection mechanism. See, the movie industry is terrified that you will somehow use your Android phone to steal movies. Yeah, well... They're paranoid about everything. Of course, because they know that we, their customers, are in fact just big fat thieves. Uh, thank you for thank you for treating us so well, movie industry. I suspect we'll see it, but uh, it's not there yet. Hey, uh, one other thing, Leo. I I just signed the papers for a new Ford uh, three fifty pickup, and I oh, looked yeah. sheet, I looked all over that sheet looking for a place to put the twit thing so I could get ten fifteen percent off. And- <laughs> I got to talk Ford into doing that. You're going to love your truck. That's all I can say. And thank you. <laughs> Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Great American hero. This portion of the Tech Guy is brought to you by my internet service provider. Sound like Curly there for a moment. My internet service provider, DSL Extreme. For high-speed internet at an amazing price, call 866-2-GET-NET to get DSL Extreme. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy, 8888-ASK-LEO. That is the phone number at 47 minutes and 30 seconds after the hour. 14 minutes from now, my good friend and Mad Magazine's maddest writer, Dick Bartolo, will join us, the Gizwiz, with another great gadget. But between now and then, much more time to talk 
Lots of calls. Let's see. I think Rob from Orange County is next. Hi, Rob. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Uh, hello, Leo. This is my first time listening and first time calling. Um, well, welcome. I'm so glad you called. It's so good to have you. I'm a, kind of a dinosaur. I'm a senior citizen, but I don't have a computer. And I wanted to get started, but I've got friends who have had a lot of trouble with their computers. I'm just wondering. Yes. <laughs> yes. And if you start listening to this show, you'll hear everybody calling in with their tales of woe. Yes. Uh, it's painful. So, Rob, let me ask you before we go any further, what it is, why it is you're interested in getting a computer. What do you want to do with it? Emails, photos. I'd like to surf the net, find uh different subjects and uh, invest. When you say photos, do you mean take them or look at them? What, what do you want to do with photos? Uh, I have a digital camera, but uh, basically I've been uh, like using the, the chip and going to Walmart and so forth and getting copies made there. Here's what I would do. I, at least I'd look at it, is buying an iPad. Now, I'll give you my reasoning. First of all, everything you just described you can do with an iPad. In fact, the iPad has a digital camera in it. So you can use it as your camera as well as uh, look at pictures you've taken with your other camera. Um, now, the iPad's a little bit of a weird thing because Apple, in their infinite wisdom, have set it up so that it needs to hook up to a computer to get activated, which I just want to strangle them. They say, Apple says, we're in the post-PC era, that people are going beyond the computer the iPad represents the future of computing, and then you have to hook it up to a computer. It's like, uh, Apple, aren't you listening to your own crazy advertising rhetoric? It's If it's post-PC, why do we have to hook it up to a PC to use it? Well, I, I think I'm really leaning towards a, a laptop, but I don't know the ref. No, no. I'm, listen to me. I'm going to tell you why you want this. A couple of reasons. I know, I know you think you want more, but the more you get, the more complex, difficult, and risky it becomes. That's the yes. You, I, you yeah. You could get a you could get a Windows laptop, and good luck to you. But you'll be calling me in about a month with all sorts of problems. That's that's the with great power comes <laughs> great complexity. So my suggestion is, the iPad will be great for email. I've I, one of the reasons I, I suggest this is I've had great experience with my mom, my father in law, all of whom are in their late seventies. A number of people who have just love the iPad. It's light, it's easy, it's got built-in connectivity so you don't have to get an internet service provider. You know, it comes with everything you need. It's not, there are no viruses, there are no security issues. For surfing the web, fantastic. For email, fantastic. Well, what about ta- the computer connection? That you ah, and that's, and that's where I'm going to help you. The good news is when you go to the Apple store to buy one, they'll activate it for you. You say, I don't have a computer. You need to activate it for me. Now, it would be nice if you do have a friend or family member who has a computer that every once in a while you could go over there and back it up because that's the main reason now you continue to hook it up to the computer. Everything else you could do with the iPad itself. So you could back it up on a regular PC or does that have to be an app? Yep. Nope. Anything with iTunes, PC or Mac. So if you've got a bud or a, a family member who has a PC that you can get to even once a month, and just go and you say, can I, you mind if I hook it up to this and just sit back it up? That will also be how you get your older photos in there. You need to do that. Now, the Apple Store, if you bring a disc with older folder, for, photos and say, hey, I want to get these photos on the iPad, they'll do it for you. Okay. But, and then going forward, you're going to want to use your iPad to take the pictures. They'll all be in there. Okay. Uh, what about blogging? 
Do you want to create a blog? Uh, yeah, I kind of I want to do that. I'm not that savvy as to what all is involved there, but um, you can absolutely a blog from an iPad. Um, you could create a blog easily just in the web browser. Most blogs will allow you to completely uh, do everything you need from within a browser. So you've got a browser on the iPad. So you can go to blogger.com, wordpress.com, and, and create an account. You can go to squarespace.com, create an account, and use their, they have an iPad app that makes it very easy. Okay, I guess I'll have to talk that over with the people at the Apple Store then. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I, I would say you're not going to be blogging right away. If you get... Now... If you say, I want to write a novel, or I want to make pictures, you know, draw pictures. Uh, well, actually, pictures are pretty good on the iPad. But if you wanted to write a novel or something that involved a lot of typing, and if you think a blog is going to be a lot of typing, then you're right. A laptop might be a better choice. But just understand that the the laptop adds a lot of complexity. And, a lot, and almost always, the problems we're hearing about on this show and in general come from the fact that you're using a more complex, more difficult uh, operating system. More power, more problems. Okay, well, if I did decide to go with a laptop, would you recommend a Mac over a PC? Yeah, because while it, the, this is starting to change, Macs still have far fewer security issues. Uh, and I think that the good thing about an Apple is that uh, one of the reasons that Macs are more expensive is they bundle in the cost of support. They're the last company standing with decent support. And for a new user, that's a big issue. Do you have an Apple store near you? Uh, fairly near. There's a mall uh, in South County that has an Apple okay. store, uh, Mission Vision. That's That's the way to do it. Go to an Apple store. And I would look at both a MacBook, which is their laptop, and an iPad. And really kind of ask questions. They're very helpful in there. Okay. Um, you can always get an external keyboard for the I, iPad. I see people doing that, but at that point, I start to think, you know, you probably should just buy a laptop. Okay, well, uh, thank you. If you want to edit video, there's things that, of course, you need a full computer to do. But for browsing and email, occasional photography, even simple blogging, I think an iPad is fine. And you will avoid all of these complexities. You really will. You, it's just intuitive. It's easy. Do you know basically what an iPad costs? They start at five hundred dollars. That's the Wi-Fi only version. I bet you don't have internet access in your house, do you? Yeah. So that's remember that's going to be an additional cost. Nice thing about the iPad is you can spend one hundred twenty nine more, so you can spend six hundred twenty nine bucks and get the iPad either with AT and T or Verizon connectivity built in. You'll pay about thirty bucks a month for that. So it has its own internet access. That's another strong advantage. You don't have to set up a network in your house. Okay. Well, I think it was well worth the 45 minutes or so I waited to talk. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. I'm sorry it does take so long to get through, but that's because I like to spend time with every caller. And as you can see, we spent about 10 minutes with you, and that's why. Well, I appreciated that you were doing that with your – I've called into some of these tech shows and got real kind of snippy uh, replies, and then they just go on to somebody else because they're – they don't think I am worth spending time with. It's not even that, you know. It's it's, tr you know, traditional radio broadcasters constantly say to me, "Why do you take so long? <laughs> why are why are you doing five or six calls an hour? You should be doing twenty. Well, uh, and I just I bless Premier Radio Networks and the hundred fifty stations who carry this show because they're willing to let me be a little more patient. 
Well, I've but I think we need to be because this stuff is, you know, crazy making. Well, I'm going to let you go for now and let somebody else get in if they can. All right. Thanks. Thank you, Rob. I really appreciate it. Bye. Yeah, every time, every time I talk to real radio people, they say, how do you get on the air? How do you do? You know, almost all call-in shows, it's like, how fast can you move through calls? Ah, you know, this is who I am. I've been doing it a long time. Take it or leave it. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Well, here we are again. It's no secret. Back with the same tricks hiding up your sleeve. Uh huh. You come around here unexpected with a list of things that I should be. Sure. <laughs> Leo Laporte, the tech guy, the bossy tech guy. Hey, here he is, all the way from Disneyland, which is located in Manhattan. Florida yes, North, sir. the Gizwiz himself, Dick T. Bartolo, Mad Magazine's maddest writer, and for many years a gadget hound of good standing. You see him on World News Now on the ABC network every month. You hear him on many other radio shows because the guy has no loyalty to me whatsoever. Yeah, uh, right. Right. No loyalty. No, I'm just teasing. And he's a good friend. We do a podcast together called The Weekly Daily Gizwiz, Dick T. Bartolo. Leo, how are you doing? Very well. How are you, Dickie D? I'm good. Now, listen, being unmarried, you have to you have to answer this question. Tomorrow is Mother's Day. Yes. Is a husband required to give the wife a Mother's Day gift? Only if mom, only if the wife is a mom. Oh, okay. Oh, oh but so you better still... believe it. I've got uh, big responsibilities tomorrow. Oh, okay. Because okay. my my wife, of course, is the mother of my children. It's nice how well, that, that worked, worked out. out very well. Yeah, it saves me a lot of time. <laughs> Only you have to send out one card. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I tried to find something that would be mom, techno mom related. And I remembered the joy scale. So it, it, it involves work for mom because it, it's, it's a kitchen scale that can do pounds and ounces and grams and dry weight and liquid oh, ingredients. Dick, are you trying to get me divorced? If I give Jennifer a scale, oh. a kitchen scale yeah, for Mother's right. Day? Yeah. No, you know what, Leo? <laughs> give her this and tape to the bottom a, a $1,000 restaurant <laughs> gift certificate. Okay. okay. And just say, Jennifer, the scale <laughs> is really just the packaging. Yes. So it's, <laughs> right. call, it's called the Joy, J-O-Y scale? J-O-Y, the Joy scale. It's from Aid, Germany. And what it is, Leo, it is, it's bizarre. It's a kitchen scale with a built-in iPod docking station. Oh, well, she, that, no, okay, that sounds better. Yeah, okay, you see, because... Uh, women like to listen to music while they're cooking, so you don't need an elaborate sound system in the kitchen. So it sort of combines two gadgets into one. It's actually very good looking. The scale pot is a clear piece of plate glass, and the speaker is under it. The sound is good for its size. Um, if you plug it into an AC outlet, then the iPod uh, it also becomes a charging station for the iPod. Now, Dr. So, Mom in our chat room says, if my husband gave me that for Mother's Day, I'd brain him with my frying pan. <laughs> uh, she, she could hit him with the scale. That's I mean, pretty heavy duty. It looks like it might work. 
Oh, okay. Even with an iPod docking station, Dr. Mom, I'm shocked. Shocked? <laughs> shocked? Do you hear me? There's cooking going on in this kitchen. I'm shocked. Now, actually, this might be kind of pricey because it's German. Well, it's a hundred bucks. Well, I guess that's okay yeah. for an iPod. And don't forget dog. tomorrow's Mother's Day. So even if you have Amazon Super Double uh, uh, Futuristic Prime, it ain't coming by. Why Mother's do Day. they put Mother's Day on a Sunday? Yeah, exactly. And uh, why don't we have some warning? Why doesn't someone tell us? Is your mother still with us? No, she's not. Oh, so you... she's not. She's in Petaluma. No, she's not. No, she's not. <laughs> She's not on. No. Not on She's this looking planet. down on us. She's looking down on us as she did in life. So, <laughs> yeah. So. See, fortunately, you have your mother looking down on you in life. Well, we, we've got all bases covered. I talk, I feel bad because I talked to mom today and I Uh-oh. forgot to say Happy Mother's Day. Ha- and I'm sure she's watching. Mom, I don't know what I was thinking. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, and then oh, Leo, when that next ten dollar a month Netflix subscription comes, she knows <laughs> shh, it's love. Shh, don't tell her it was only ten bucks. Oh, sorry, that thousand dollar <laughs> Netflix subscription. Hey, I sent her a TV and a DVD player eight years ago. That should count for something. Oh yeah, and an internet radio. <laughs> oh, that I did was send it five that. years right. ago. Yeah. It's like, oh, Leo, you're showering that woman. With, you're ruining that woman. Actually, <laughs> I could tell yeah. the truth because uh, yeah. I gave my mom an iPad. She loves, and uh, she plays that. There's a game on there. It's like Farmville. It's called We Rule. You know where you plant crops and you harvest yeah, crops. Yeah, she yeah. loves that game. And uh, the thing is, as with all these games, the game is free. But if you want to speed it up, you can buy something called Mojo, and then the Mojo speeds it up. Well, Mom, I stopped playing the game, Mom, and somebody keeps buying more Mojo, like twenty bucks a week worth of Mojo. So oh, I think I am giving the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> it's a mojo junkie. It's mojo for mom. So uh, so I guess, you know, that's You're a little extra. Down. You're off the hook. <laughs> She's using my iTunes account to buy mojo. Uh, Dick is on uh, the web at gizwiz, G-I-Z-W-I-Z dot B-I-Z. He's got one of those very rare rhyming websites. That's uh, That's pretty good. Uh, gizwiz.biz when you go there you, there's a brand new what the heck is it game you can play absolutely absolutely chance to win a autographed copy of Mad Magazine just click that big button that says what the heck is it look at that and uh, there's a picture of it. it I don't know what the heck it is oh I know what that is yeah that's one you're, of those you're very good at this yeah that's one six of those... years I think you, you came close on one of them See, <laughs> you're tricky because you took a picture of it upside down you well, how use do you that, know that. You use that to press. Uh, this is how they make donuts. It's a donut hole maker. You, oh, well, I, I can't. I can't comment because I don't want to give anything away. Yeah. Well, no, if you I think you know what it same. is, go to gizwiz.biz. Uh, the twelve correct answers, the first twelve correct answers, get an autographed copy of Mad Magazine. But twenty-four folks with the wrong answer get it just because they were funny. Yeah, we like wrong. We like wrong. How many? Uh, how many right ones did you get last month? Uh, only got five. Yeah, see, he's smart. He makes them hard. That way he doesn't have to give away so many copies of Mad Magazine. What was that thing? Uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's a way to hold items on a tiny little point when you're painting them. Oh, it makes sense. Sure. Okay, so. It's a bench cookie uh, cone. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, people are wonderful. Uh, you know, a smokeless ashtray with a cool design. I think it's the- <laughs> 
It's the ball holder for Leo's ball. No wonder they keep deflating. <laughs> I guess it's got a point. Yeah, Darth yeah. Vader's yarmulke. People are very funny. <laughs> Gizwiz.biz. Dick, stick around. We'll do uh, our weekly daily Gizwiz show right after the radio show. I'll be here. Thank you, Dick. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888-ASK-LEO is the phone number. We're going to get back to the phones. I think I have time for a, another call or two in just a bit. Before we do, though, I want to mention our friends at Carbonite. Backup done right. I get so many emails almost every day now from somebody who says, Thank you, Leo. You saved my bacon. You reminded me that I've got to back up. So many of us don't back up. And and the key with a good backup is it's got to be automatic so you don't have to remember it. If you have to remember to push a button or copy a file, it's not going to happen. At least not often enough to really protect you. And secondly... Uh, it's got to be off-site. It can't be, you know, we just had these tornadoes in Alabama. Think of all the data that was damaged or destroyed or lost. Pictures of weddings and babies and showers and financial records, all this stuff. It's all on your hard drive. Back it up to the cloud, and it's really safe no matter what happens, even if the worst happens. You can always get to your data anytime just by logging into your Carbonite account. You don't have to wait for a disaster. On your Mac, your PC, even on your iPhone or your Android phone or your BlackBerry. Try it free for 15 days. I think you'll see what I mean. Carbonite.com. Offer code Leo. If you decide to buy less than 5 bucks a month for unlimited backup, and you'll get two extra months when you use my name, Leo. 14 months for the price of 12. you got to back it up to get it back, so do it right with Carbonite. Carbonite.com. Offer code Leo. Uh, John in Chicago. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, John. Thanks for hanging on. Hey, Leo. First and foremost, I want to tell you I absolutely love the radio show found you by accident, so I'm not one of these guys from Tech TV long ago, but found you. That's what I like to hear, because we, you know, we have a lot of fans who go way back, but, I, but you gotta, I'm glad new people are finding us, so welcome. Thank you. And I, and I stumbled upon your uh, This Week in Tech, where you, have, you do your uh, podcast with some friends. I was right. and I was Oh, that's great. I was laughing as I was listening to all these <laughs> drive my truck around Chicago. That's wonderful. It's Twit, T-W-I-T. Just Google Twit. You'll find all those podcasts. Yes. I had a, qu- I had a question for you. I've got an older laptop um, that I really only use for one specific purpose, and that's really to design websites. Oh, cool. There's a couple of programs on there that I need, and I just don't want to pay the money to reload them over onto it. Yeah, a- I understand that. Yeah. The question is, it's old. It's probably, it's, a, it's an old Dell uh, Inspirian 8600, I think is how you say it. Um, I, it's only got 500 megs of RAM. I was going to upgrade that to one gig. But That's I'm, a good idea. What operating system? Uh, Windows XP. Yeah, a gig would help. That's, that's probably I, the single most. There's two things you can do to speed it up. One is to re- format the hard drive and reinstall everything. The other is to add RAM. I see here the call screener said you wanted to ask about a solid-state drive. I, you, you probably wouldn't see much benefit on an older machine like that. Just add some RAM. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.